Hi, and welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, streaming live from Queens, New York. We're so excited you joined us today. No matter where in the world you are, we want you to know that you're family. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. What's up, Journey Queens? Great to be with you guys today. If you haven't had the chance to meet me or connect with me in the past, my name is Ricky and my wife, Chris, and I pastor a church on the Upper East Side called Meta Church. And it's great to be back with you guys today To as we are have been in this series called Escape Room. And Pastor Mike has been doing a great job talking about these different things, trying to escape the things that keep us from moving forward in our faith. And he's talked about uh, doubt and discouragement. And, and if you haven't watched or if you missed out uh, on any of these messages, I wanna encourage you to go back and listen to him talking about overcoming distraction. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like this topic or this theme is incredibly relevant to me. Uh, in fact, I, I feel like it's it's actually quite a bit personal, maybe maybe a little too personal, like kind of triggered by this. You know, I used to work with Pastor Mike years ago. We used to work together on staff at another church. And um, maybe he asked me to preach this message because he recognized that I had a problem with distraction. I feel like I'm distracted all the time. In fact, my wife would tell you uh, that I am the king of being distracted. So I don't know how much advice or wisdom I can offer to you about overcoming distraction, but I'm gonna do my best to try. And this last year for me, the last 13 months has like been a case study in trying to overcome and fight distractions. Like many of you, I've been working from home. And listen, I know a lot of people like working from, maybe you're one of them, maybe you love working from home. I have some friends who are like, man, I hope my boss never has me come back. Literally, I have some friends who say, you know what? They moved out of the city hoping, fingers crossed, that they would never have to come back to the office. And they're like, I hope our, our company doesn't bring us back to the office. And they've literally moved out of the city uh, because they've enjoyed and loved working from home. But that's just not the case for me. Number one, I'm an extrovert. I love socializing. I love seeing other people. I love talking to people. But here's what I realized when I work from home. I get so distracted. And, and I get so distracted. It's no one else's fault. It's my fault. You know, I'm, I'm working at my apartment. I'm sitting at the desk. I'm doing some work on the computer. I look down. The dog is sitting next to me. I'm like, oh, I wonder, does the dog need to go? Somewhere? Maybe she just needs a treat. And so I'll get up and I'll get the dog a treat or I'll take her out for a walk. You know, my, my wife is home. And, and so I'm like, well, I wonder what she's doing. I wonder well, what she's up to. And, and so I go bother my wife. And then my daughter's doing online school. And so I'm like, well, let me try to go back, walk in the background, make some funny faces and distract. I'm distracted. So let me go distract them. And, you know, I do all sorts of random things that just kind of totally uh, get me, keep me from, from having focus that I need to accomplish the job that I'm supposed to do. And none of that even has anything to do with the fact that when I grab my phone and I'm looking at Twitter, or I'm looking at Instagram, or God forbid, I get on TikTok and I'm stuck on there for God knows how long. Uh, I'm, I get so distracted working from home. And, and you know what I need? You know what the truth of it is? I need to be in a work environment with other people who are working so that shame will rule my life. <laughs> I need to be shamed into working and remaining focused because listen, if I'm at an office and I see other people working and they walk by my desk and I'm on Facebook or I'm on, you know, some ESPN.com or whatever it is, um, then all of a sudden I'm like, shoot, I got to get back to work. I need that accountability. I need someone to publicly shame me and say, what are you doing? And, and instead I find myself getting distracted. And, and the truth is I, I was even distracted working on this message. You know, when I would go to prepare, when I would go to read through or study, I'd find myself being tempted to get distracted. I'm preaching a message on overcoming distraction and I'm finding myself getting distracted. It's like, I know I've got something important to do. I know I've got something significant to do, yet I'm still being distracted, yet I'm still losing focus on the thing that I know I should be doing. And, I, and what I wanna know, um, Journey Queens, is can anyone else relate? 
Am I the only one? Because listen, I would be, it would be great to know that I'm not the only one preaching this message, that it's not just for me, but maybe there's someone else out there. Uh, and so if you can relate, just give me an amen in the comments or yup, that's me or say me too. Um, maybe it's not about work. Maybe you do get distracted in work, but maybe um, you're distracted in your relationships and you are constantly checking your phone or your smartwatch and you're getting that notification and those emails coming through and you have a hard time remaining focused. Or, or maybe it's not even about something else. You just, your mind is always wandering onto other things. You're focusing on what you have to do next or that situation that's unsettled or whatever it is. And you find yourself consistently and constantly distracted. Can anyone else relate? Please just let me know. Okay, I, I think there's some others out there. So that's good because we're in this together and we need to be in this together if we're gonna overcome this uh, or if we're gonna learn how to escape the tangles of distractions in our lives. And just like we get distracted in work, or in relationships, or in other situations in our lives. I think there are many times where Christians, myself and others included, would get distracted when it comes to our faith. You see, our faith is something to be lived out. Our faith is something to be a part of every part, every aspect of our lives, our work, our families, um, our school, how we connect in our communities. Our faith is supposed to be kind of intertwined in that and specific to our faith is this thing of a calling, a notion of a calling that God has given to each of us to fulfill in our lives. And we get distracted from fulfilling the calling that God has placed on us. If you are a follower of Jesus, that means if you've given your life to Christ, you've surrendered your life to him, whether by praying a prayer or saying, Jesus, you're Lord, I believe in you. I believe in the work that you've accomplished by dying on the cross and paying for my sins. And so I'm surrendered to you. If, the, if you did that, if you've made that decision, if you've made that commitment, then God has placed a calling on your life. And that calling, although it sounds significant or, or excuse me, although it sounds uh, kind of a massive, it's actually very simple. God has chosen you to reveal himself, or God has chosen to reveal himself to the world through you. That's, that's all it is. And its simplest form, God's calling is simply this. God has chosen to reveal himself to the world through you. The moment you signed up, the moment you became a follower of Jesus, you were committed to revealing God to the world. You became committed in this. In fact, when you became a Christian, that word Christian literally means little Christ. In other words, when you became a Christian, you were, you were opted in to becoming a representation of Jesus, of God, to the world around us. And Jesus described it this way in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says this, And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I'm pretty sure we all know what a witness is, but in case we don't, a witness is someone who sees something or hears something and testifies of it. So they were a part of something, they experienced something, they observed something, they partook in something, and now they're sharing it publicly. Of course, there's witnesses in the court of law, but in general, a witness is someone who sees something or hears something and they tell others about it. And that's what Jesus said we are when we committed our lives and we became his witnesses, we became his representatives to reveal God to the world around us. And that is the calling that God has given to each and every single one of us. And its expressions are varied and it looks a lot of different ways, but at the core, that's what it means to be called by God. But the truth is, we all get distracted, just like we do in work, just like we do in relationships, just like we do in other aspects of our lives. We get distracted in faith and we get distracted in our calling. And, and we lose sight of the things, um, or so you get sidetracked by the things of this world or the things that kind of come up and keep us from actually fulfilling the calling that God has placed on us. Sometimes we get distracted by what I would call external forces. 
you know, things outside like work. Maybe you're just so busy and it's been a busy season and you're working 60, 70 hours a week. And so you don't think about how you're representing God to your coworkers. You don't think about how you're representing God to the people on the subway. You don't think about how you're representing God to, to your neighborhood or your community because you're just so caught up and distracted by what's going on at work. And you've got these things you've got to do and you've got these projects you've got to finish. Or maybe it's bigger than work. Maybe it's your career and you're busy trying to climb that ladder and your sole focus is to get to the top of your organization or your profession or your company and you're trying to retire early or whatever it is that your goal is. And so that's your sole focus and you lose sight of the fact that God has called you to be his representative to reveal himself to the world through you. And so you're out there just doing this thing, focusing on this career advancement and actually losing sight of the fact that along the way and in each spot, in each destination, God is intending to use you to reveal himself to the people next to you. But it's not just like work because it's easy to pile on work, right? Work is a good thing. Careers are a great thing. But there's other things like our families. You know, you're busy being a husband or a wife or a mom or a dad and, and, or a brother or a sister or son or daughter. And you're trying you know, to do all these things and, 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 and you're focused on these family activities and trying to keep everyone healthy and trying to keep everyone engaged and connected and close during a difficult season. And so you're activity after activity or, or gathering after gathering, and you're not even thinking about the fact that you're supposed to be revealing God to the world around you. And so everything is about your family. Everything is about that connection. And you lose sight of the fact that actually God wants to show himself to the people around you beyond your family. Of course, as we experienced all together, a global pandemic is one of those external forces that are completely out of our control. It's like, well, Ricky, how do I reveal God to the world around me when I'm in lockdown, stuck in my apartment, I'm minimizing how much I go out or how frequently I'm outside. And so, you know, of course, there's those kind of external forces that distract us and keep us from fulfilling the calling that God has placed in our lives. But more often than not, it's not the external forces that distract us. It's what I would say are the internal forces, the things within like fear, doubt, insecurity, even sin that's a part of our lives or sin that's, you know, that we've been concealing or hiding inside of ourselves. It's these internal forces that keep us from fulfilling the calling that God has placed on our lives and keep us from doing the things um, that would actually reveal and represent God to the world around us. And these distractions end up becoming our excuses or our reasons why we don't fulfill our calling. And we say, you know, well, Pastor Ricky, you don't understand. I'm just, I'm nothing special. You know, I get what, I hear what you're saying, you know, that God wants me to represent him to the world, but, but I'm, I'm not a pastor. You know, I can't preach like you're preaching or like Pastor Mike preaches. I'm, I'm not a worship leader. I can't sing like Danielle sings. I can't play an instrument like the band, like the musicians play. So, so I'm not, you know, how do I represent? I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a nobody. I, I'm, I'm really nothing special. And, and I'm not really confident enough that, that I could even do it well. I, I don't really feel qualified to represent God. But that's why the Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 3, 5. He says, it's not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. Paul says, listen, you don't have to be qualified because it's God, the one who qualifies you. You know, he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And so he called you and that's what makes you qualified. We say, well, what if, what if I'm not skilled? Like, what if I don't know the Bible verses? What if I don't have this whole thing memorized and I don't know what to say or how to say it and I don't know where to turn and I don't know what to do? What if I don't have the skills needed to represent God well? to help others see God in my life. And that's why Jesus said this in John 14, 26. He says, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, listen, you don't have to worry about that. 
The Holy Spirit, when you placed your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit came and dwells among you, dwells in you. And so that Holy Spirit is the one teaching you what to say. That Holy Spirit is reminding you of who Jesus is and how you can be more like Christ in your everyday interactions with your neighbors, with your community, with your friends, with your coworkers, with your family, with that person that really makes you angry, even with them. It's the Holy Spirit who teaches you, who gives you the skills you need to reveal God to the world around you. But what if I'm afraid? Or what if I mess it up? Like, what if I botch it? What if I, you know, what if I just don't get it right and, and I get it wrong and, and then someone doesn't, you know, understand or see God because I'm imperfect or because I've, I'm, I'm just not skilled with my words or skilled with my actions. And sometimes I have a temper and it goes off and then people are turned off by that. And so what if, what, I'm just afraid that if I do anything that I'm just going to get it wrong. And again, the apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, a young Christian, um, a young Christian leader. And he says, Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. That spirit of fear of, well, what, I'm afraid, what if I mess it up? Or I, I don't, you know, I don't want to get this wrong. That fear that you're experiencing or that you're feeling is not from God, it's from the enemy. God has not given you that spirit of fear. Instead, God has given you a spirit of love, of power, of self-discipline. And so you can walk in that. You can choose to walk in what God has given you, or you can choose to walk in what the enemy is holding over you. You say, okay, Ricky, well, listen, look, man, I'm not afraid. I'm not really insecure. I, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I, I know the right things, but, but here's the deal. Like, you just don't understand. My life is just a, a compilation of screw-ups, of mess-ups, of falling into sin, of getting things wrong, of doing the wrong things. And, and I, I mean, listen, I, I'm, I, I have this life that I'm trying to walk away from, this life that I'm, you know, trying to break free from. And, and I'm trying to, you know, there's the old me and then there's this new me, but I keep relapsing and, and falling back into the old me and doing the things that I'm ashamed of and, and falling into things, you know, like addiction or falling into things like fits of rage or anger or, or, or you know, these sinful things that I don't want to be a part of my life. But like, but the truth is, listen, the fact of the matter is God, God wouldn't want a person like me to be his representative. God, I mean, there's so many better people because I just keep messing it up. I've done so much wrong and you don't understand that even if God wanted to use me, I just don't understand how someone could even see God in my life because of the sin or because of the screw ups or because of how many times I've botched things in my life and messed it up. But then again, the Apostle Paul has words for that. He says in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, for the gifts or for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And if God has called you, if God has spoken, there's no sin that's going to get in the way from the calling that God has placed in your life. There's no sin that's going to keep you from being redeemed or your story from being redeemed, your life from being redeemed to fulfill the purposes and the calling that God has placed on you. It doesn't matter if you're afraid. It doesn't matter if you're unskilled. It doesn't matter if you don't feel confident. It doesn't matter if you've messed it up. God has called each and every one of us, those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus. God has called us. He has chosen us to be his representatives. So if all of that is true, if all of that is true, then how in the world do we overcome distractions? How in the world do we overcome those external forces that keep us from fulfilling God's calling? How do, in the world do we overcome those internal forces that are distracting us and preventing us from, from actually fulfilling the things that God has called us to fulfill? Well, I'm glad you asked because today I'm prepared to share some things that I've learned, some things that I've been growing in, and some things that I think will be helpful and fruitful and beneficial 
to helping you overcome distraction and to escape this room or this, to escape the tangles of distraction in your faith and in your calling. And we're gonna look at Nehemiah chapter six. Um, and, and I believe there's four steps that Nehemiah, that we can kind of extract from Nehemiah six to help us overcome distraction. But before we jump into the specific text, I wanna kind of give a, a, a little bit of context, maybe set the table, whether you are unfamiliar with the story of Nehemiah or it's something that you haven't uh, read. I wanna do a little bit of a refresher just to kind of help us understand what's going on historically. Nehemiah lived somewhere between five and 600 years before Jesus, okay? So 500 to 600 BC, and he was a Hebrew, he was an Israelite. But at the time that we encounter him, and at the time that we meet him, he's living in the city of Susa, which is in modern day Iran. And the Hebrew people were actually under rule of the Persian empire. They had been taken captive, Jerusalem, the city had been sieged and overcome and overrun. And so the Hebrew people were taken captive back to the Persian empire and they were forced into slave labor. I don't know if it was during Nehemiah's adulthood or his childhood or if it happened before, but what we do know is that somehow, some way, Nehemiah kind of worked his way up to a position where now he served in the king's court and the entire king of the kingdom. And he's the cupbearer, which is an important job, but not a great job. The cupbearer is the one who would sip and drink the food um, or drink the drinks and, and taste the food to make sure it wasn't poisoned. Therefore, if it was poisoned, he would die and not the king. So he had an important job. You thought your job was bad. Listen, he had to go to work every day knowing that today could be his last day, that that next bite could be his last bite. And so he's working this position. Here's a report that his hometown, the city of Jerusalem, is completely and utterly devastated. The walls that have protected, the walls that have been constructed to protect the city and fortify the city have been completely torn down, which allows any sort of invader, any sort of enemy, any sort of marauders or, or, or raiders to come through and, and to, to take whatever they want. And there was a remnant of people who still resided, who still lived in Jerusalem. So they were completely exposed, completely vulnerable to the attacks of any and every enemy, every enemy who would want to come against them. And so Nehemiah feels burdened by this. He feels burdened by this, you know, th this thought that this city that was built to be a place, a center of worship to the God of the Hebrew people is now in utter destruction and ruin and in shambles. And he, and he feels this sense of calling to go back and to rebuild the walls. And so he ends up having a conversation with Artaxerxes, the king. And the king grants him, not only grants him permission to go back and rebuild the city walls, but the king also says, hey, you can take as many people as you like, and I'm going to open up the treasury, and you can have all of the financial resources, the building resources, whatever it is you need. You take it, Nehemiah, to rebuild the city walls. So Nehemiah gets back, takes a crew of people, and they head out to Jerusalem to rebuild the city walls to fulfill his calling. Now, if the story ended there, it would be really pretty. It would have a nice bow, and that would be the end. But as we all know, anything good and anything meaningful in life always always faces and experiences opposition. And that opposition came in the form of people who were doing their best to distract Nehemiah. In fact, there was a group of people, neighboring cities, neighboring leaders, um, kind of at the helm or at the charge of this group was a guy by the name of Sanballat. And Sanballat would do whatever he could to distract Nehemiah, whatever he could to keep him, to deter him from fulfilling the calling that God had placed on his life. Whether that was by sending letters, uh, threatening him, whether that was by uh, lying and, and, and tempting or uh, attempting to kind of discourage Nehemiah emotionally or spiritually, whether that was by actually sending physical threats. In fact, the Hebrew people, as they were rebuilding the city walls, Nehemiah says that they had to build with a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other 
to protect from any invaders or threats. And so Samballot would do whatever he could to discourage Nehemiah. And by the time we get to Nehemiah chapter 6, we find another instance in which Samballot and another guy by the name of Geshem are doing their best to distract Nehemiah from fulfilling the purposes and the calling that God has placed on his life. And while I won't read everything or every verse within Nehemiah 6, I do want to read a few verses that I believe will help highlight and reveal these steps that you and I need to experience or you and I need to, uh, to walk through if we're going to overcome distraction. Because as Nehemiah faced this distraction, what we see is that he continued um, with the work and was able to actually complete the work despite the distractions that were coming against him. And so we'll jump in first to verse 2 uh, of Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 2 and 3. This is what it says. So Sam, Ballad, and Geshem sent a message asking me, Nehemiah, to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Step one to overcoming distraction is to know your purpose. If you're going to overcome distraction in your life, you need to know your purpose. Just as Nehemiah did here, we see that they were coming and they were presenting a letter and they actually wanted to hurt, to physically harm Nehemiah. But he says, I can't meet you because I am in a great work. And that word great is tied to purposeful. It's not like, you know, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. No, it's I have meaningful work. I have purposeful work to accomplish. This is my purpose. I am here for this moment. I'm here for this purpose. And this is what I'm going to be committed to. This is what I'm going to be focused on. And this is what I'm going to remain steadfast in. Nehemiah understood that even though it might have just seemed like he was laying bricks, or even though it might have just seemed like he was laying down, you know, rocks or and, and, and mortar to rebuild some walls, that he had meaningful and purposeful work assigned to him by God. This was his calling and he couldn't let something else get in the way of that. And the same is true for you. You too have purpose. You too have significance. And, and, and listen, we talk about this a lot in church and I know a lot of times it's easy to make it out to be something grandiose or something way over the top. Like, do I need to start a church? Do I need to start a nonprofit? Um, do I need to go on the mission field? What is it? What is my purpose? But the truth is purpose is much simpler than that. In fact, purpose all it is, what all it means to have purpose is to intentionally bring meaning into every circumstance and situation. So any one of us, I don't care if you're 13, I don't care if you're 73, every one of us can intentionally bring meaning into every circumstance and situation. That's what it means to have purpose. And so you know in this situation at work, you know in this situation at uh, my school, you know in this situation at my church, I have an opportunity to bring meaning, to be intentional about bringing meaning. And that fulfills a purpose that God has placed on your life. And the truth is there's no shortage of opportunities. You can do this at school, as I mentioned. You can do this at work. You can do this in your home with your family. You can do this here in the church. How you bring meaning and value into every circumstance and situation is you fulfilling the purpose that God has on you. And you don't have to be something, you know, way over the top, like, oh, I need to, you know, do something tremendous in the world and accomplish something. You do that by focusing on bringing meaning into every interaction and situation. So you've got to know, hey, you've got purpose. You've got to know this is my purpose, this moment, this space, this conversation, this project. This is the purpose that God has for me. And just like Nehemiah, say, I'm not going to get distracted when the enemy comes. I'm not going to get distracted when opposition presents itself. So this is step one. Step two is actually found in verse four. 
Here's what it says, right? So they come to him. They tell him, he says, no, I'm not going to do that. Four times they sent the same message. And each time I gave him the same reply. Nehemiah says, look, I'm busy. I'm engaged in a great work. And so four times they come. Like you ever notice that distractions don't ever go away? They never leave, right? Distractions never leave. It doesn't matter if it's text messages, emails, um, you know, phone calls, getting a notification for a game on your phone, getting something on your smartwatch, trying to do that. And that doesn't even factor in what's all going on in here with the doubts and the second guessing and the questions and the fear and the apprehension. These distractions never stop. And so if you want to overcome distraction, then here's step two for you. You need to learn, you need to fix your focus. You need to fix your focus. You see, I think when distractions present themselves, we start looking at something else. Well, I know this is what I'm called to do. I know this is what God has for me. I know this is the purpose I'm, I'm, I'm in. And I know this is my purpose in this part. But all of a sudden, a distraction comes like, oh, well, I got to, I start focusing on that. I start giving my attention to that. Let me fix that problem. Let me solve that. Let me address that issue. Just like Sam, Ballad, and Geshem, four times they came to Nehemiah to distract them. You, you ever have that friend who doesn't get the hint? That person who, who doesn't um, understand that, hey, you're busy and you don't have time to do whatever it is they want you to do, which is why you're not responding to their text messages. Now, let me speak to the singles real quick. You know, that person that you ghosted like six months ago, but they still text and ask if you want to go out? Like that person who doesn't get the hint, who doesn't understand, hey, I'm busy. Hey, I've got something more important to focus on. I'm trying to do something here with my life and I don't have time to engage in this petty conversation or in this situation with you. That's what Sam, Ballad, and Geshem were doing. Four times they came to distract Nehemiah, but he kept responding with the same thing. This is what I'm focused on. I'm, I'm, I'm committing myself to this. I'm, I'm, I'm relying on this. This is my purpose. This is my calling. And so I'm going to focus my eyes on this wall. I'm going to focus my eyes on this rebuilding project. I'm going to focus my eyes on this calling because I can't afford to be distracted by fixing my eyes on something else. And if you're ever going to overcome distractions in your life, then you need to learn to fix your focus on the right things, on God things, which means you need to learn how to identify distractions. You need to know, hey, this is a distraction. You need to be able to speak it out. You need to be confident in saying, no, no, I will not engage in that. No, I will not go do that. No, I will not connect with that person. No, I will not do, be involved in that situation or in that kind of uh, environment. And then you need to know which voices to tune out and which things to turn off. Because listen, there are some good meaning people in your life who will try to talk you out of the calling that God has for you. Listen, I know there are people I know who have moved to this city to fulfill a calling in their lives, to be a part of a church or to start a church. And they have become distracted by other things. And sometimes it's even their own family members who say, well, why would you do that? Or why would you sacrifice so much? Or why would you give so much? Why would you do that? Because look, you could do this instead. And they've succumbed to those voices. And you've got to know if you're going to overcome distraction, you got to fix your focus. Say, my focus is fixed. As another way of saying it, my focus is fixed on this calling of God and nothing is going to deter me or stop me from fulfilling this purpose or this calling in my life. After you fix your focus, you can step into step three, which is to keep your commitment. Keep your commitment. Now, this is really important and it sounds almost obvious, but it's so easy for us to say, oh yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. And then we get distracted and never actually return to that. But verse nine reveals something to us. It says this, 
Nehemiah is speaking again and he says this, he just received the letter and it had all these falsehoods and lies about him. And so he, re- he responds, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. You see, sometimes distraction does get the best of us. Sometimes like in Nehemiah's case, we get a letter and we stop and we read this letter and think, whoa, this is serious stuff. This is a big problem. Sometimes we get distracted, I should say a figurative letter, and sometimes we get distracted and we receive some news or a bit of information or something that causes us to question whether or not we're doing the right thing, whether or not we should continue on in this way. Sometimes that's when a family member gets sick. Sometimes that's when a loved one that you care about is kind of in the final stages of battling cancer. Sometimes that's when you receive that notice that your employment is ending in a couple of weeks and now you're gonna to have to try to figure out how to pay bills, how to move forward. Sometimes it's when that child turns and says, you know what, this Christianity thing, this Jesus thing, it's not for me. And we get distracted and we get discouraged and we get deterred and, and, and they get the best of us, myself included. Listen, we're not perfect. And the good news is that God is not asking for our perfection. He's simply asking for our commitment to say, hey, you committed to being my witness. Hey, you committed to fulfilling this calling. So yes, you got distracted, but now turn back to, there's so many times where I think, oh, I started working on something and then I got distracted. And then like two hours later, we're like, oh yeah, I never finished that thing that I was supposed to finish. And yet Nehemiah said, I'm going to keep the commitment. I love what he said. I'm going to, he continued the work with even greater determination. And you and I could do the same thing. Yes, we're going to trip up. Yes, we're not going to be perfect. And yes, we're going to get distracted at times. But we, like Nehemiah, can continue with even greater determination. And here's why it matters, because your calling is completed through your commitment. Your calling is completed through your commitment. You will not fulfill the calling of God on your life if you are not committed to following through with it. Now, that seems really obvious and kind of like a no-duh state the obvious point. But so many times we get discouraged that we have no, we feel like we have no purpose or we feel like we have no calling. And it's not because God didn't assign it. It's not because God didn't give it. It's because we didn't follow through on our commitment. So step one, you gotta know your purpose. Step two, you gotta fix your focus. Step three, you gotta keep your commitment. And then step four, you gotta live with perseverance. You gotta live with perseverance. I wanna go to verse um, 15 and I wanna read verse 15 to you. And it says this, So on October 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. How how many of you know that good things don't always come easily? Okay, you can say yup in the chat or you can raise your hand at home. Okay, parents of of young kids, um, you should all have your hands raised because raising a good child does not come easily. I've been trying to teach this idea and this concept of perseverance to my daughter. I have a daughter who's nine years old. She'll be 10 in September. And I've been trying to teach her the importance and the significance about perseverance specifically, because it's her kind of temptation or inclination. Like if something is hard or if something is challenging, it doesn't matter if it's in school or a video game or sports, um, then she'll want to kind of move on from it. Sometimes she'll quit. She wants to quit. Or sometimes other times she just says, well, let me do this instead. And, and I'm trying to teach her, gee, a baby, listen, you had to persevere even though it's hard. Or she'll say, well, can you do it for me? Or can you help me? And it's like, no, I want you to do this. I want you to build up this perseverance. I want you to build up this resistance, this tolerance to overcome something that feels challenging or something that feels difficult. Because listen, this is an important life skill. 
Because in life, there are things that hit. In life, there are things that come up. There are challenges that present themselves. There are distractions uh, that we face. There are situations that require the only way that we will get to the other side of it is if we live with perseverance. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did in verse 15. He says, in October 2nd, 52 days later, we finished the the wall. We fulfilled my calling. We fulfilled this purpose. And we did what we set out to do despite the distractions, despite the threats, despite the enemies, despite the challenges and the setbacks. We were able to accomplish what we set out to do because we live with perseverance. And you know what I think? I think sometimes you and I, I think we so easily give up We give up so easily when if all we had was just a little more perseverance, we would start seeing the fruit of our investment. If all we had was just a little more perseverance, we would experience the breakthrough that we've been praying for, the breakthrough that we've been longing for. If all we had was just a little more uh, perseverance, then we would see our callings fulfilled. And, and, And sometimes I think we just give up so easily because there's an obstacle or a wall. And what this means to live with perseverance means that, listen, if something sets up in front of you, if you see something trying to, to block your way, then you've got to work around it. You got to go over it. Sometimes you have to run through it and bust through it just to get through onto the other side. Other times it means that something's going to be pulling you from behind. A distraction is going to be trying to, the enemy is going to be trying to keep you back from stepping forward. And you just have to cut it off and say, no, I have to move forward. I have to continue on with the calling of God in my life. And this is exactly what God wants for you is to live with perseverance, is to step into this promise, to keep your commitment, to to know your purpose, uh, to fix your focus so that you can fulfill the calling that he has for you. Just like Nehemiah, God has chosen you and he has set you apart to do a great work. But if you're ever going to fulfill it, if you're ever going to overcome these distractions, then you're going to have to follow through these. Or if you want to overcome these distractions, then you have to follow these steps in order to step into it. And the good news is, the good news is you're not alone. Because again, for those of you who have given your life to Jesus, you've received the Holy Spirit and God has not left you out to do this on your own. He's given you something that empowers you and equips you to fulfill the work. And through his power, you can find your purpose. And through his power, you can fix your focus. And through his power, you can keep those commitments. And through his power, you can live with perseverance to fulfill the calling that God has for you. And this is the beauty of being a follower of Jesus. And this is how we escape the tangles of distraction. So Journey Queens, let me pray for you. And then I'm going to turn it back over to the team as we wrap up today's service. Heavenly Father, we thank you God, that you don't just tell us to overcome distraction, but you've outlined a path for us. We thank you, God, that you've not left us alone, but you've given us the Holy Spirit so that we can know our purpose, so that we can keep our eyes fixed, our focus fixed on the things that you've called us to, so that we can be committed and keep our commitments to you, and so that we can live with perseverance and overcome the challenges. I know there's so many things, God, health issues, worries, financial woes, family stresses, There's so many things that set themselves up and and they provide opportunities for us to either be distracted from your calling or they become the means through which you want us to fulfill your calling in our lives. But I pray, God, wherever we are, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. I pray that you would encourage us and that you would inspire us to move forward. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.